every single one of you a happy Sabbath. Um, that's uh, uh, that that's our message, really. Um, our message is keep calm and Advent on. Uh, as the world gets worse and, and worse, can I say that? Like literally, yes. I feel like the world is getting worse and worse by the day. Like this is this is crazy. Um, you know, we've been dealing with the coronavirus and. Now there's rioting out in the streets. There's looting. Uh, uh, you got people who are dying the way ways they shouldn't be dying. Like it's just all over. So you know what we say is, look, hey, just relax, keep calm, keep calm. Advent on. Keep looking to that second coming. That's the only thing that's going to save us, guys. I don't, I don't know. Is it just me or is everything going? Just uh, uh, the expression is to hell in a handbasket. Literally, things are just yeah. going straight to the end. Is that is, is it just me or am I? this is what's happening right i think i think the fact that everything is happening back to back to back mm. just makes things seem even worse i like uh my i've had people tell me like oh dude like this is it this is the end like th there's no question about it like god's coming this year type of thing <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm with you i'm with you i don't know but i'm i'm worried um uh because the more i see it i'm just i'm just concerned that you know either we're going to be ready or we're not you know what i mean yeah um and it's time. It's time to uh, just keep an eye on that second coming and really start focusing on, on the things that that really matter. I mean, I'm not not to use the expression that we use, but seriously, the things that really matter. Um, so I don't know, uh, uh, Andrew, Jason, how are you guys doing? You guys doing all right? I've been good. Uh, just you know, working. That's it. So right now, like things are slowly getting back to normal. Um, I know the malls open now. A few mm -hmm. stores single-handed like a few like single like single stores but i know that's up and running i know i've even heard like some restaurants are allowing like dine-in now so i guess you can say slowly at least on our like area of the states it's slowly getting back into yeah into normal yeah and then of course all buildings are burning down it's uh it's crazy yeah. at the same time andrew <laughs> i think i think you're on mute andrew you're on mute brother andrew you're on mute there we go. What about there, now? Yeah, there we go. Now we can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking. I was talking to the air. I said it's getting back to normal, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's really what's going on. It's crazy. Oh anyway, man. Uh, we wanna we wanna welcome uh, everyone that's joining us right now. Thank you once again for connecting with us. You know, we're trying to do a bunch of different things. Um, Andrew, Jason, as you guys know, I built my very first computer, and oh. uh, and and as much as that sounds pretty cool, it turns out I don't know how to use this computer that I just built. So I'm backwards right now. Like I should have known how to use it before I built it. Uh, but we, you know, we're trying different things. We're, we're just trying to get better at, at, at this and uh, personally just trying to give you guys a more polished product, something a lot better. So you'll be seeing some changes in the next few weeks, but yeah. um, you know, we're happy that you're with us. We just want to make a shout out to the very first happy Sabbath that we got today was from Jasmine Ramirez Sellies. Uh, so well, well done. Well done. If, for those of you who don't know, Jasmine is Andrew's wife. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, uh, we're happy that she was the first one and, uh, Jaylene unfortunately got knocked off, uh, for a bit. Now yeah, it was Elias for a bit. We're getting some different people now. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then I know, uh, Jessica also from, uh, from Inland Spanish as well. Uh, Jessica has been on, uh, at times as the first one. Hey, it's a good thing though. It means that we're doing our job because people are anticipating for this to start. So I'm, I'm glad about that. People yeah, are actually enjoying is, our content. 
right the truth is that we're the ones that are late not not mm -hmm. not the people like the people are waiting for us you guys are all waiting for us thank you for that thank you for having patience that's a that's a christian virtue by the way just so you guys know in, in case you're not not aware i'm just um, going to give a, a shout out to uh, christopher he says uh these intros get better and better every time Oh. Well, 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 with that new computer, huh, huh Mitchell? Yeah, computer. we're happy to hear that. We'll, we'll try to come out with some new things on this new computer. That's the whole point. But, um, but real quick as well. Again, uh, Jasmine, Jessica, Christopher, Jaylene, and Camila. Uh, everybody else who's watching us who maybe hasn't sent a message. Thank you once again for connecting with us. Um, we are going to get into this topic because I think I think there's a lot. To this say. one is very interesting, personally. Uh, because it's something that we sometimes talk about, but we don't explore enough. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to see what you guys are, are thinking about this and, you know, we'll, we'll see where the Lord takes us. And as usual, we want to make sure that if you are watching us live, please be part of this conversation. Send us a message, send us a question, something that you're thinking about. We'll try to incorporate that as we go. Anyways, we want to start. Uh, so uh, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, this time I'll start with the word of prayer and uh, just everybody who's watching us, just bow your heads with us and let's, uh, let's pray. Um, let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here right now uh, in this place, um, wherever we're at, really, but through this, through this method, in, in this Zoom chat, um, where we can connect, have a conversation over scripture, and try to apply some of these things to our lives and just simply become better. And Lord, we are asking from the bottom of our hearts that everything go well at this moment, that we can focus on what's going on, that we can learn from the Bible and that the Holy Spirit may guide this conversation. And for those who are watching, may they be blessed and may they be better for it. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Stay with us uh, at this moment. Uh, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, today's topic is titled Pharisee 2020. And, um, uh, you know, it's not that the Pharisees are having a campaign right now and are trying to become president or trying to become governor or something like that. They're not trying to get votes. But, but curiously enough, this kind of was the situation back in the time of Jesus. Um, th there were uh, struggles for political power and the Pharisees were involved in that. And they ended up having a lot of influence. Um, but we hear this a lot in sermons, like, you know, because we talk about the life of Jesus and this is just something that that comes up. Um, but we, we really have to ask ourselves, sometimes we got to slow down, right? And we got to ask ourselves, wait, who are the Pharisees? What are they about? And so I, I want us to start there before we start talking about, you know, whether they were extreme, whether they were not extreme, how does that, how does that apply to us? Um, let's start there. Who were the Pharisees? And, and that's not an easy question to answer. So I, I'm, you know, I'm going to leave it to you guys. You guys are the experts in this, so go for it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. What do you guys think? Who were the Pharisees? Well, I mean, from just from the, um, the biblical narrative, we know that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were, they were the leaders at the time, like religious leaders, not just political, but religious leaders. And um, I believe it was Mitch who, who mentioned it, that it wasn't just like, uh, it wasn't necessarily just like a political group. It was kind of like a sect. That those guys had um trying to run things with their with their uh, what you said earlier their extreme ideologies like now we view them as extreme back then it was kind of normal for the jewish people and whatnot but to us we see all all the i guess you could say legislations that they had set out at the time were very were very extreme so you could say they were they were extremists extremists that's the way you would classify them as extremists i would in our modern days 
Sure. I would, I would classify as him as someone that's extremist. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Andrew, what do you hey, think? Hey, who, it's who perspective. Yeah. <laughs> perspective. That's right. Right. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, just like you were saying, uh, you know, it's hard, you know, when we talk about the Pharisees and, and things like the Sadducees, because not much is given about them besides the fact that they were uh, the leaders at that time, like Jason said, a sect, right, that really, how would you say, almost contradicted everything that Jesus was all about, right? You know, I, I think we have one verse where it actually talks about, you know, um, the Pharisees, right, and the Sadducees uh, confronting Jesus. And Jesus, I, I mean, I mean, the Pharisees uh, kind of says that they didn't believe in things like the resurrection, right, or angels and all these things and miracles. And the Pharisees did believe in these things. Right. So we get a little bit of context about them, but it's not much is said about them. I actually did a little bit of research and I'm going to let you, Mitch, give the full details because the expert. Right. But but (laughs) from some of the things that I was looking at. Right. I was looking at the word uh, Pharisee and they said that that the I guess the root word for Pharisee, maybe you can correct me, that they don't know really where it came from, Mm. to be exact. But it's meaning is supposed to be set apart. Right. Or, Or like Jason said, a sect. Right. Um, so, so not much is known about them, but when we think about what happened after to Israel, after the Babylonian captivity, right? We see the Israelites who landed the Babylonian captivity. And right after that, they fall into the Persian empire, mm-hmm. right? And when we see them fall into the Persian empire, it's like they give them a little bit more freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Under Babylon, they had no freedom, but when they come under, uh, uh, the, uh, the Persian empire, all of a sudden they allow them to, to rebuild their temple, right? With limitations, Right. They still don't allow them to have a king, but they that, this is where all uh, the Jewish, I guess, leaders are to spring up because there is a lack of king or there's a lack of, how would you say, uh, someone uh, to rule, I guess, the, the, the Jewish community. Right. And they weren't allowed to have a, a king. So that's where you see these uh, Pharisees. Right. Or, or these spiritual leaders that start to uh, to rise up during this era. Right. And, and right after that, we have the um, the Macedonian takeover, also known as Greece. Right. Who take who uh, takes over uh, the, the Israelites. And, and of course, what happens with that in, in that whole part with the Israelites is much of uh, the, the leaders, the Greek leaders want to impose much of their ideologies and philosophies and kind of take away the Jewish culture. Right. Or, or the Israelite culture and kind of implement the Greek culture into uh, uh, the, the Israelites. So mm-hmm. kind of want to take away everything that they still held as tradition and kind of implement what they thought should be their tradition and their culture, right? Almost to push their own narrative. So we fast forward a little bit, right? And all of a sudden we have the Maccabean revolt and maybe um, uh, Mitch can uh, talk a, about a little bit more about this, right? So the, Jew, the Jewish people kind of uh, uh, take over, kind of uh, take back, if you, if you will, to some extent, right? They're uh, the, the Jewish community, right? They're able to set up their, their temples once again. Later on, we have the Roman, the Roman Empire, who once again takes captive uh, of, of the Israelites. But now what springs up is you've seen these leaders that were springing up, and now you have two types of leaders that are springing, springing up, right? You have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because now you have the Pharisees who are trying to hold on to that Jewish tradition, uh, uh, everything that was part of their tradition and their culture, was things that they wanted to hold on. But now you have these Jewish people who grew up uh, in this Greek culture who had that mixed in to some of their ideas. So uh, some of these uh, Jewish people had a more liberal po- approach, right? They weren't so much about the Jewish culture. They were kind of 
They wanted to move forward, right? So you kind of see uh, these two different types of leaders, you know, uh, the Sadducees that had a, a more liberal approach who wanted to, who didn't believe, like we said, in angels and miracles and resurrection, who wanted to have like a modern day approach, right, to the Jewish culture. And then we have the Pharisees who wanted to stand firm to what their tradition had. And, and, and this is uh, the, what we have here in, in, the, in the Pharisees. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, um, before we forget, and I, and I almost completely forgot, I had called you earlier. Happy birthday, brother. That was a great answer. Um, and uh, I just want to say happy birthday after that. It's Your mom birthday. reminded us of that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's his birthday have, today, like literally. I, I don't know what's today today. Happy birthday, bro. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. And, and, and your mom literally reminded us, but she said happy Sabbath and she wrote happy birthday question mark. So I'm not sure if it is your birthday, <laughs> but I think it is because Facebook said it. And if hey, Facebook I'll, says I'll, it, it's got to be right. You know what I mean? Hey, all I got, all I got to say, I got to give a shout out to my mom because she remembered to praise the Lord first, right? She said, happy Sabbath. Then she said, it's my son's birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah, but definitely, brother, we, we, uh, we hope God gives you many, many years of life. No, uh, going back to, to, um, uh, to the question about the Pharisees. Yeah, the, the big challenge is that nobody really knows when the Pharisees started to become very popular, right? And, and you did a pretty good job at explaining um, how eventually the environment in which they, they came out or they became very popular happened. Um, and, and Jason has the very end of that, right, to the extreme of which they came to. Um, now, the question is what happened right in the middle. And it's believed that the Pharisees uh, probably became an established sect somewhere around uh, the year 150 before Christ. Uh, that's when they really, really started having significant influence. Um, but eventually, once we reach the time of, of, and for the record, you are correct, Andrew, in this, just to make sure, um, the word Pharisee literally does mean um, uh, separated, means uh, different, right? Uh, so there was this sense of piety, right, from them that, that separated them. This is what they were about, being different. But what definitely happens, I think, is that the reason why the Jews ended up in exile is because they fell into idolatry and they fell into idolatry because they forgot the law of God. And so now comes the other extreme, as Jason put it, right? Now we, the, the pendulum swings completely the other way before Israel was just like super, let's just do whatever, follow whatever gods. Now they swing to the other side and say, let's never go back to that. And, and religious extremism starts to, starts to develop. Um, what I think is really interesting about the Pharisees is that, uh, especially what we see in the Gospels, uh, although we're not giving their, their we're not giving their origin story, we are told that they were only one of three sects, right? Mm -hmm. So we had the Pharisees, we had the Sadducees, and we had the Essenes. And the Essenes, we know very little about, but we do know they were out in the woods, kind of you know, just in the middle of nowhere really, really separated from all society. And so what you had left in Jewish society was competing for influence and for power were the Pharisees and were the Sadducees. Now the Sanhedrin, which was the highest court in, uh, in Judaism, you could put this as a Supreme Court for us, right? So this was the highest legal court, was composed of Pharisees and Sadducees, right? So they were always in contention for what should happen. If you want to compare it to uh, Democrats and Republicans, whatever, right? But these are like the top parties within Judaism. Um, and what's interesting is that they have elements that are both good and bad. This is my opinion, right? Both yeah. good and bad. Uh, the Sadducees on the one hand were very literal um, uh, and very strict to 
whatever was written is what stays. You do not add any more. So scripture for them was done. You couldn't add anything else. Uh, so they said, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about resurrection of the dead. Therefore, we don't believe in that, right? Um, the Pharisees, on the other hand, were very liberal with how much they added to scripture. So they had what we knew as the oral law, right? Which eventually, uh, and all these all these traditional practices, rabbinical practices, which becomes the, the Mishnah. And, you know, you get all these different things that they have to do that are not in the law itself. By law, I mean the Bible, right? And the Torah. Uh, but they are now practiced. On the other hand, the Pharisees were very strict in keeping the law. Mm-hmm. And the Sadducees were known as being, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the Romans. They were very open to the influence of Hellenism. Uh, there's this, um, there's a remake of Ben-Hur. I don't know if you guys have seen it. The newest uh, one? What was that? The most recent one? The most recent one, right. Uh-huh. That remake, if, if you know, Ben-Hur is like this classic Hollywood movie right back in the time. And Jesus, it's, it's one of those epic stories where Jesus in, in the time of Jesus and Jesus in, in, in the story itself. But in the new Ben-Hur, um, they really focus on, on Sadducee life. They're not Pharisees. They're Sadducees. And they're rich. And they have a lot of money. Pharisees were not about that. In fact, there's a comment from Josephus, uh, who was the uh, main Jewish historian, and I'll finish here because there's so much more we could say, um, where he says that the Pharisees literally, in fact, I, I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I didn't say it right. They despised delicacies in diet. Okay. So they were not about eating great desserts, Jason, as I'm sure you love eating great <laughs> On things. On Sabbath, right? especially, right? <laughs> I'm just letting you know because I know how much you love food trucks. Okay. Uh, so they were not about that life. Um, they followed reason. This was really interesting. Um, in other words, very pragmatic in their approach to biblical principles. So it, this follows to that, and that's the way it goes. Uh, they honored their elders. Um, they held intention, this idea of fatalism, that this is where you were ended, ended to, and human agency, the fact that you could decide. Uh, they believed in the immortality of the soul. In other words, they believed that, that you could resurrect. Um, and obviously, they believed in punishment and rewards and afterlife. So they were a mix of things. But going back to the Gospels, right, we get a, a, we get a sense of what they were really about in the time of Jesus, at least. In the time of Jesus, yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, it's, it's like every, it's like every, just look at Adventism, how our beliefs started, the, the background of our beliefs until what it is now. There's a change. Obviously, there's going to be a change among them, too. And um, in Jesus' times, it just got to a more radical point. And well, like I said earlier, just the extremism, it just to, to the point where you can't even take certain steps on the Sabbath and all that. And that, that, that obviously Jesus was all about taking those barriers down and like, Hey guys, things don't really play out like that. Um, and I saw in the chat that Christopher asked, are Sadducees different from Pharisees? And yes, um, usually the Pharisees, uh, they were the ones that were considered rabbis. So teachers, they were the teachers. And the Sadducees were really um, the guys that did everything in the synagogues and all that stuff. They were really, they were more like, they were more, more so the priests more than anything. But like Mitch was saying, when it came to the Sanhedrin, both of them were there. The majority, from what I understood, the majority was Sadducee. A vast portion of the Sanhedrin was Sadducees, but there was also Pharisees in there. Yeah, and, and just for the record, uh, Andrew, I know you had something to say, but for the record, and the reason why is because the Sanhedrin would meet at the temple. And those who, you know, and that's, that's a good point that you bring the idea that the Sadducees were the temple guardians, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But that also meant that they were very rich. 
Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the Pharisees, although the Pharisees held very elevated position as well, but definitely not as elevated as the Sadducees in 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 uh, in money, right? In status, um, they were more revered for their piety. Go, go ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, I just wanted to add to what you guys were saying. I, I thought it was interesting the the analogy that you used because we know that um, even in Jesus' time, right? The Sadducees and the Pharisees they they uh, uh, they were on the council together. Right. And at different point, and, at, and I was looking at the history at different points throughout history, you know, there was points where there was more Pharisees than Sadducees and vice versa. Right. Throughout the entire, you know, history of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But well, the, the interesting thing that I that I thought that you said was it was kind of like what we see now with the Democrats and Republicans. Right. But the interesting thing about all that is that Jesus actually almost opposed both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's such a fascinating thing. And I don't want to get too much into politics. I, 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 might, I might get stoned for this. But, you know, just a quick statement. I think from my perspective, to side with either side, you know, and be a true Christian, I think is almost impossible from a, a Christian perspective, right? That's as far as fully, you know what I'm saying? And I think that just in that, that, that illustration, I think is perfect because we see... You know, like like you said, there were parts of the Pharisees that, you know, they had good ideas. They had good intentions, even Sadducees to some extent. Right. But Jesus almost came to show what it was really about to be a Christian. And right. And it wasn't about these two different parties or two, these two different, uh, I guess, people that were trying to establish themselves as the leaders of, of the Jewish I like, community. I like what you said there at the end, that they had really good intentions but jesus came to show what it was about and i think that's something that's clear a clear distinction like like what can a pharisee really be a pharisee is all about talk not so much the action because that's what that's in the sense in essence that's really what they would do a lot they would always point out people's sins they would always try to show things off but then they wouldn't necessarily practice the things that they preached yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting what you guys come up. I, I wanted just to make sure that we got slight some biblical support for what we were trying to say, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of this comes from extra biblical sources, history, etc. Yeah. Um, but uh, in Acts chapter twenty six, verse five, um, Paul is speaking about his history, and Paul used to be Saul of Tarsus, was a Pharisee as well. And I think we're, this will, we'll come back to this a little bit later um, in in the conversation. Uh, But in verse 25, he says, they knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now, that's very important. Uh, And you got to read the text very carefully to capture what he's saying, right? He's saying his religion, what is his religion? Judaism, right? So um, he is a Jew and, and, and ethnically and religiously, they're both tied together, right? These are one of these things where if you were Jewish, back then at least, you would also be practicing Judaism. Um, But he's saying, in my religion, there are a number of sects. Now, there is one that is very strict. The strictest of them all are the Pharisees, which tells you that Judaism, and again, I I don't know how this is going to bear on this conversation, but Judaism was not practiced monolithically. It wasn't just this one big way of doing things. There were contending ideas as to how you would practice Judaism. And it just so happens that the Pharisees are the ones that probably stand out the most. In fact, there are three groups that stand out in the Gospels. It's the Pharisees, 
it's the Sadducees and it is the scribes, right? These are the three that stand out and they all have different functions, but it's important to see that even Paul recognizes there are many ways of practicing Judaism. There's just one that is very strict, the strictest, and that is mine, right? My sect of the Pharisees. No, oh, yeah. And well, that, that's where like all those guidelines that we talk about, like the whole uh, only walking certain steps or like, or whatever it was the, the implications, specifically implications on the Sabbath, the really strict rules that we as modern day Christians think are, are out of place. It was mainly the fair. It was mainly the Pharisees that set those out because they were the teachers. They were the ones that really taught everything. It wasn't so much the Sadducees, but it was mainly the Pharisees. They were the one that were that was teaching the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, on how to do things. So if they were the strictest, that's where everybody got these rules from. That's where that's where all of that came from. Uh, yeah, and, and I think I think that leads to to an important question. I think that we have to explore. Um, ultimately, we're we're just saying what they were about, but let's really dive into this in the time of Jesus. What was their problem? Because to me, it is clear that. They're in contention with Jesus, right? They are arguing with Jesus many times. So whatever's happening with them, it's not working out that well. So what do you guys perceive as, as their problem, as their fundamental problem? Maybe you see more than one, I don't know. But, but, but what is their main issue? Uh, what is their flaw? We could put it that way. What do you guys think about that? I'm, I'm a bust that Jason right now. Pride, hypocrisy, overindulgence, and meaningless ceremonies and traditions. Micro. <laughs> 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 no, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I think those are the, some of the, the key, the things that I brought out, you know, from, uh, you know, kind of going over some of the, uh, the, the Bible verses and, and looking at who the Pharisees were, you know, pride, hypocrisy, and an overindulgence and meaningless ceremonies and traditions, right? I, I'll, I'll touch on that last one. I'll let you guys uh, uh, get in on one of those other ones, but I say overindulgence in meaningless ceremonies and traditions, not because they were meaningless, but because they had become meaningless, mm. right? The, the, the ceremonies, uh, 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 many of these festivals had a meaning to them, you know, and, and uh, one of the verses that sticks out to me is, is that verse that we usually, uh, we use it and apply it to Jesus, right? By beholding, we become changed. But if we use that same idea and apply it to these Pharisees, right? They were beholding all these traditions, all these ceremonies, all, all these uh, different festivals for so long, right? They were playing church so, so long that they became, they changed, right? There was no more emphasis, right, on what these traditions and ceremonies really meant more than what the ceremonies were, were themselves, right? Um, Ellen White has, you know, one of her uh, famous quotes that she has says, we have nothing to fear for the future except as we forget the way the Lord has led us and his teachings in our past history. Right. I think that this this um this this quote here is 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 um it's huge because when we think about what Israel went through, right, and what God led them out of, right, and all these different symbols that we have in the in the ceremonies and traditions, right? Things like Passover, right, that pointed to a uh, uh, God delivering them from the Egyptians, right? Things like sacrifice, right? Uh, at that time, the ceremonies of sacrifice for sin, right? Which were supposed to be something that pointed to the very first sin that happened, right? Mm. And, and we know this, right? And this is 
you know, uh, Jesus says a key phrase. He says, I require mercy, not sacrifice. Because at that time when Jesus was there uh, with the Pharisees and all the people, sacrifice became like second nature, right? Sin was no longer, it's almost like you didn't even think about the sin because you already knew, oh, I'm just going to take in such and such sacrifice. And God and Jesus almost was kind of rebuking them and saying, it just has become a, a form, right? This, this, uh, the sacrifices have ultimately become meaningless, right? It, it was originally intended, right? If we think of this symbol, right, of, of killing a, a, a lamb, right, for our sins, right? Think about it, even to modern days, if you've never killed an animal, which I hope no, none of us have ever done, right? If you were to get your, God forbid, your pet or anyone, and you were to kill that animal, how would that make you feel? That would make you feel disgusting. That would make you, and much more knowing that you were killing that animal to take your sin, right? You'd probably be crying. You'd probably be like, you, you doing this would give you this feeling of, 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 of repentance and like, I never want to do this again. But this, sim, this was a symbol that was supposed to point to, hey, you know, this sin is being given over to this, this lamb so it can take away your sin so that you wouldn't continue to do this. But it had become so, uh, they had become so desensitized. Sacrificing was like second nature. It was like nothing. Uh, when when we came to Jesus' time, and, and Jesus was kind of saying these symbols that we had, right? We forgot about how God led us in the past. Passover was just something uh, 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 that we did that that you know it had no more meaning, right? And, and the things like the temple, right? We we know that uh, uh, the Pharisees and many of the Jewish people put so much emphasis on the temple, right? Oh, and uh, swearing oaths by the temple and doing all these things by the temple, but the temple pointed to who? the one that resided in the temple, right? Which was God. And I feel like this overindulgence of traditions and ceremonies and all these things and playing religion for so long had uh, skewed some of their ideas, right? And and, uh, uh, misrepresented what God really wanted from them, which was their heart, right? It turned into routine and pomp. And I feel like um, they forgot what the the real meanings of these things were, right? Um, uh, In in one... uh, in the Bible where Jesus is overturning the tables, right? And he makes a whip, right? Uh, he says, uh, uh, one of the disciples remembering from the Old Testament scriptures that said, zeal for your household will consume me, right? This, this, uh, this zeal had for, for their house, for the temple had, um, had taken over the true meaning of what it was really about, right? There was an overemphasis on these traditions and these buildings, right? Um, if you guys remember when Jesus is talking about the, the temple, he's making an illustration, right? It says, destroy this temple, right? And in three days, I will raise it up. And what was the, the answer of, of the Pharisees? You will raise this temple? It's taken us 46 years to build this temple. Almost as, as if to say, like, they were glorifying the temple as if to say, you know, oh, well, this is our, uh, this is our, how would you say it? Um, this is our, I don't know, our... Uh, how'd you say it's like it's like they're like their symbol like their symbol of, of strength basically exactly this is like yeah. this is our temple right oh and it's funny because we make a distinction between um uh the pharisees and the disciples but the disciples had this same idea too in mark 13 1 through 2 it says then as he went out of the temple one of his disciples said to him teacher see what manner of stones and what buildings are here and jesus answered and said to him do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So it wasn't just the Pharisees. Even the disciples had this 
this, uh, uh, I guess, implementation in them because this had become just such a routine. Uh, uh, it had become about the ceremonies, about the buildings, and, and they had lost the true meaning and focus about what it really was really about. Got it. So, so you feel that the Pharisees, their biggest problem was that um, they were more about routine and had lost the meaning of 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 what what God and, had given in the past. Exactly. And on top of that, the the whole what we're talking about of uh, the Babylonian captivity to to the uh, to the Persia to Greece, right to uh, uh, the Roman Empire. That whole period in between was kind of like they were lost, kind of just trying to keep everything together, right? And, and now they were trying to reimplement all these things. And it's like they had lost the true meaning. They weren't the same people that were led out of Israel. They had forgotten these things and they put so much emphasis on tradition and all these other things. No, I mean, not just that. I feel like one of the big things, because they were so strict on their, on their, uh, all their, all their laws that they had made, all the traditions, Jesus came out of nowhere and just was doing the complete opposite. So then they're like, who in the world is this guy? Like, who does he think he is that he could just stop what we've been doing for hundreds of years? Mm-hmm. And not just that, like, I'm not an expert on this, but like, or I, I can't more like, I don't really necessarily know, but when was the last time that there was a miracle done? Like a prophet make, making a miracle, like a prophet being used for a miracle. We see Elijah, um, he, he, um, he went to the, to the widow, he went to the widow and then there was the miracle. She had bread and she had, she had flour, she had oil. Then we see Elisha. Um, he poured salt into the river and went from and it went to being back to good waters. We see all of that. But then after that, like I don't see like in the New Testament before Jesus comes into the picture, like there was nothing really saying that there was miracles. So then out of nowhere, this guy comes and starts doing miracles too, on top of like doing something that's not traditional. Like, I mean, it's gonna throw everybody off especially the religious leaders and the political leaders of that time. Like, it's going to be like, dude, who, who's this guy, man? Like he, why he, why didn't he come to us? Why didn't he come talk to us? Why didn't he come show us these things? Like I felt, I feel um, that they were acting like that. They were, they were so against Jesus was because he didn't, he didn't take them into consideration. Mm. He didn't go to them to try to start his ministry. He started everything without them because they didn't. They they acted kind of like if they were the medium for you to be able to learn about God, which that really wasn't the case. Yes, they might have had a little bit more knowledge because they had physical Torahs and all that, but that wasn't the case because, as the Bible said itself, like even we'll know God even through nature. Like even nature, even Jesus himself said, like, like this is pushing it. But he even said, like when he was walking, when he was riding on the donkey into the into the town he's like if they if you make them stop singing the rocks are gonna sing somehow we're gonna figure out and we're gonna find out who god is so i that, that's why i that's what i see as them like having so much like um i guess you could say hate towards jesus yeah you know what look this is gonna sound so weird but I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna push back on you guys a little bit and i'm gonna actually defend the pharisees for a second okay i, I never thought i would say that but here we go all right that's for me yeah yeah okay Here, here's the thing not in their relationship with jesus but because i feel like they found themselves in a no-win situation okay i'm looking at it from their perspective if jesus was the coming messiah the romans was were going to crush them and we see this specifically right before his death when by the way this wasn't just the pharisees this was a sanhedrin right high priest is involved and he goes in and says look i think it's better for one man to die than than for the entire nation they're scared 
that in Jesus coming in and gaining so much popularity, they have no control over Jesus, as you just said, Jason, right? No control whatsoever. They have control over tradition. They have control over, over uh, all the practices, as, as Andrew was pointing out to. Meaningless for sure in the way they would do it, but, but this is what they had. Jesus comes in. He destabilizes all of this. He now, okay, uh, and I, 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 I want to be very careful with what I'm going to say, but I got to say it anyways. Okay. You don't want the memes coming out again. Right. The, the, the funny, well, and I don't know if it'll be a meme here, but I, I think this may rub people the wrong way. Here we go. Yeah. The challenge is that Jesus actually was not about inciting rebellion. He wasn't. Never was. Okay. Never was. And I'm going to, I'm going to prove it to you guys for a second. Okay. In Matthew chapter 23, verse three. Okay. Matthew chapter 23, verse three, which is the most scathing and, uh, and, and difficult text to read if you were a Pharisee or the words to hear if you were Pharisee, right? Jesus calls them hypocrites in this chapter. But he begins by saying, I find this fascinating. He says, therefore, whatever they tell you to do, and he's speaking about the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, therefore, whatever they tell you to do, to uh, sorry, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to the works for they say and do not do. You know what that tells me about Jesus? Jesus wasn't there to take away the power of the Pharisees. Jesus was about correcting the way of the Pharisees. In other words, he's saying what they tell you to do. And, and I think that's so important because what Jesus is saying, look, the Pharisees are strict. Absolutely, they're strict. And you know what? What they tell you to do, actually, it's a good thing. I'm not telling you to go and start beating up on Pharisees or start inciting rebellion against the Pharisees or the Jewish leaders. That's not what I'm about. I'm about making sure you do what's right. And the reason I'm saying this will rub people wrong, the wrong way is because I think that we have a wrong sense of what justice is supposed to be. And sometimes we take, we take justice to extremes, okay? And I think this is what's happening right now. And I'm gonna say it, this is truly what I believe. It was absolutely wrong that police officer out in Minneapolis does not listen, is not aware and kills a man. Whether he was arrested, whether he was, whether he was resisting arrest, does not matter. That was wrong 100%. But that does not mean you go and burn down buildings at the same time. And some of my favorite preachers have been defending this idea that because the people don't have power, this and that, we claim to believe in a higher power. And we believe that that higher power is the one that ultimately will bring justice and vengeance upon this world, right? He's the one that will make things right. That is what Jesus was about. But you know what he wasn't about? He wasn't about destroying the Romans even though ultimately the Romans would be destroyed. He isn't about going in and castigating people. He's about saving people. And in the process of you not wanting to be saved, you end up in judgment and in punishment. But you see, there's a place for the leadership. There's a place for, um, in this case, right, the Pharisees, even in the plan of Jesus, which is interesting because I think their biggest problem was that they ended up having, uh, they, they were focused on the external issues on making sure that they looked right, as opposed to truly examining what was going on in their hearts. And I think that's what we have to do even to, the, to today, right? I believe that there is a lot of injustice and we gotta struggle and we gotta, look, um, I've heard, uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna, I'm, maybe I'm, I may be writing here, but I wanna hear what you guys think about this. I believe that Christians should outwardly say racism is wrong and racism is a sin. And I believe that we should try and make this world a better place. That being said, you don't go 
and do it your way. You go and you do it the way of Jesus. That's mm -hmm. the way we encounter all these issues. And the Pharisees were trying to reach holiness their way, not the way of Jesus. And I think that has to be put into perspective in every aspect. Everything we must do must be Jesus-like, as opposed to Pharisaic, as opposed to Sadduceic, whatever, right? I, I don't know what you guys are thinking. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little... It's little... exactly like, I, I'm pretty sure everybody knows that. I always say this. The question, what would Jesus do? Because it literally applies to everything. And, and, and uh, I just remember right now, but Andrew was saying, actually today in the morning, um, I was translating the sermon again. And something that really caught my attention was something that Israel said. He's like, Jesus was not like the Pharisees. He didn't have elaborate sermons. In fact, to point out, to point, to make the most like, like obvious points, he would tell parables. Mm. He would do something simple so everybody could understand. That was also a problem with the Pharisees that I see that on top of, on top of trying to do things so strict and trying to do things so right, they complicated everything and made everything worse on themselves. But then here comes Jesus and tries to simplify everything down. And, and that's also something else that really like, like threw them off. Like it was because like you said, Jesus didn't incite rebellion, but he was trying to start a revolution, revolutionizing their ideas, not necessarily telling them that everything's bad, but like, Hey, look, okay, this is on the right path, but it could be better. Yeah. And, and, and let me just say this as well, because I don't want my words to be misinterpreted here. Jesus was about making things better. So should we. Okay? Mm -hmm. So should we. My argument is you cannot do it the way of the Pharisees. Now, I get it. I understand why the Pharisees were put into this position and they're trying to make sure they, they, they place traps in the way of Jesus so as to take away his power. But at some point, you got to realize, man, okay, what is what, what happens if this guy is the Messiah? If this guy is the Messiah, we got to reevaluate not, not what he's doing. We got to reevaluate what we are doing in comparison, right? We have to compare ourselves to what, oh, the, the people would come up and they would listen to Jesus speak and they would say, wow, he speaks like one who has authority. This is Matthew chapter seven, okay, mm -hmm. right at the end of it, okay? Who were they comparing that to? They were comparing that to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were also talking about scripture. And, and I think that's where, that's where we have to like seriously hone in uh, on, on this issue of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were also Bible teachers just like Jesus. One was right. The other one was not, right? One was on the path or leading us to the path of salvation. The other one, as, as Matthew chapter 23 says, you're actually leading them to hell. So, so imagine that, right? We can come from the, we're trying to reach the same goal, two different ways of doing it. That's what I see with the Pharisees. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you guys are saying. You know, um, I think 100% we have to Call racism racism when we see it and mm -hmm. and you know this you know that that was when we see that as it it makes your stomach turn you know to see that yeah. but at the same time I I think what you guys are trying to get at is the method by okay. which we uh, approach this is a hundred percent key you know the Bible says uh, vengeance is mine I will avenge says the Lord right we can't take things into our own hands the Bible also says we do not wage war as the as the world does. Right. We, we um, have these different scriptures that kind of give us uh, this balancing idea. You know, sometimes as um, in our carnal nature, the first thing we want to do is do things our way. 
and and the way we we see things right but uh I, I think it's important for us to address these issues but i think the the method and the way that we go about some of these things is, is crucial too because right um people are watching as well the way you know if we're out there writing and doing some of these things you know and then we come back and we want to preach the gospel and say hey jesus loves you <laughs> who's going to accept that that to me sounds like hypocrisy yeah, yeah, and let's and let's now look at the other side of this, okay? Because I, I Matthew chapter twenty three verse three again says, right, what they tell you to do, do it, but not in their way. So that's my first argument, right? I would say the problem with the Pharisees is is that they were doing good things in a bad way, or they were even adding burdens, because Scripture eventually says that in Matthew chapter twenty three. But let me give you the other side of this now that I think applies to what's going on today. Now this is Matthew chapter twenty three verse twenty three. And now here it says, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. This is powerful, justice and mercy. And he says, and faith, and he says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, that is incredibly powerful also for Christians. Because now you got the other side of Christians. See, I, it, look, I think when we talk about fairs, we, we talk about extremes, right? Mm -hmm. On the one hand, you have those who are super extreme and strict and just go crazy on things. Then there are others who simply don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying here is, look, man, you guys are so focused on this one thing, you're forgetting even the bigger things, right? You're focused on the tithe, but you're forgetting justice and mercy and faith. And that's big. That's huge when it comes to faith, right? How do you forget justice and mercy? We cannot hide behind a veil of piety and say, look how holy I am. Therefore, nothing that's going around me matters. You can't do that either. That's wrong. And they were doing that. I think that's the other fundamental problem that they had. They were about external acts of piety, making sure everybody knew that they prayed in, the, in, in public and all those things. And they were forgetting that there were people who were poor and needed help. They were forgetting that there was injustice among them and they weren't doing anything at all. So if anybody's listening right now, where are you in these extremes, right? Are you, are you doing way too much to the point where you're forgetting the meaning behind it? Or are you not doing anything at all and you're focused on things that don't matter as much? I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, I, I actually wanted to, to kind of emphasize a point that, that, you were, that you were making earlier about this whole uh, offense thing. There's a, a scripture that was that I was trying to look up that came to my mind that's found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24. And it says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked, from what do the kings of the earth collect duties and tax? From their own children or from, from others? From others, Peter answered, then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find four drachma coins, right? Mm -hmm. So we see this situation, how Jesus, Jesus in essence is saying, I'm Jesus, I'm the Lord, right? We, we know that everything belongs to him. He is almost as if to say, I have to pay tax. Do you think I have to pay tax? You know, I was the one that created everything. But at the same time, he says, but not, but to not cause offense, he tells Peter to go get that fish and open it. I think that's a powerful point. 
in, in how how Jesus uh, uh, um, yeah. kind of dealt with some of these things. How Jesus approached this. Now, let me ask you guys a question that's coming up to my mind for a second. I, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, can you be a Christian and be a Pharisee? Before we go into that question, oh, okay, okay. I was actually okay. thinking. I was actually sure, 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 sure. Actually, an example in the Bible. Don't avoid my question, Jason. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> no, I'm not avoiding it. I'm okay, not avoiding it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Actually, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a story that Jesus puts out about the Pharisee that comes in. He's beating his chest, mm-hmm. saying all this long prayer, and then you have this guy, this tax collector, that comes in. If I'm not mistaken, and he's like, "God, forgive me, for I am a sinner." And then Jesus says, "Who do you think? I, who do you think I, got um got pardoned that day? Who was more honest? You know, the 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 Sadducee or the Pharisee over here beating his chest, being all super loud, or the guy that was humbly asking for repentance? And that that was also like one of the main issues. They they just kept on doing. There, there's a phrase that my mom that my mom always says like, don't ever be like this. Don't ever say do say what I say. Do what I say, not what I do.'" And that's exactly what the Pharisees were. They were just right. do what I do, what I say, not not do what I do. It, it, it was like they they had everything mixed up. And not just that. There's also the other story that Jesus points out when he's in the temple, and the widow comes in and just drops what was it? What was the, the smallest coin available? And he points out that that was the little the, the all that she had for the week for for her for for her for to live on. And the Pharisee right before that comes in and throws in all kinds of gold and all that. They did a lot of it just to be seen, to make seen, to show like they were doing something right. When that, that's not, that's not really how it is. The, when it comes to the Christian life and you apply those things, it's not what you do in front of others that makes you a Christian. It's what you do when others aren't watching you. Are you really following Jesus? Are you really trying to live up to Jesus' standards when no one's watching you? That's the important thing. And with the Pharisees, it was kind of the other way around. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say all Pharisees were like that either. Um, um or the Sadducees, because then we also have Nicodemus that comes into the story later on. Yeah. But it, it, that, that that's really how it is. Like it, it's who you are everywhere. It's not just when people see you, it's who you are when you're by yourself. That also really, really counts. Um, and now back to the question: if we if, if oh, we, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't answer the question yet. Forget oh, my yeah. question. Cause I think you brought up some good points. Oh, by the way, Nicodemus is really interesting to me because Nicodemus goes to Jesus. So as not to be seen right mm-hmm. at night, because he was so concerned about the opinion of others, especially his peers and other Pharisees. Imagine that someone who's seeking out Jesus, but in the dark, in the quiet where nobody can see because he is quote unquote ashamed of what other people are going to say like that like that's a huge commentary on what could happen with us because i think that happens among us andrew i'm sorry i i i know you were raising your hand what do you think no no, no. I, I, was, I was gonna ask you a question about the question you were asking but okay well anyways yeah let's go to this question then let's go to, i i just wanted to bring that up yeah like but yeah like like even up to today we really like we're scared of being seen doing certain things but we're but like even like with our peers we're scared of being too christian around them but then we're scared of people from church seeing us th- doing things that seem wrong yeah it's like th- there has to be a balance if you're a true christian that's earnestly looking for jesus it doesn't matter where you're at it doesn't matter if you're with your friends that are from church if you're with your friends that are from church it doesn't matter if you're with your professors wherever you're at you're going to act the same you're not going to be afraid of what they have to think of you because at the end of the day it doesn't matter 
what their opinion is on you. Mm. It's your personal life with Jesus. Only it's between you and God. It, it's, well, I mean, because of the time, because of how everything was back then, Nicodemus had to go through that. But now in our modern days, I don't think that, I honestly don't think that should be an issue. Like everybody's like, oh, you do your own thing. Like, oh, you do you type of thing. But everybody still in the back of their heads is still scared of actually vouching for Jesus, I feel. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add to that because you you were saying that, you know, um, we have to be the same all the time, right? If we're a true Christian, we have to live our Christianity. It's not a, a, a how would you say, it's not a, a cloak that we put on here or there, something that we have to live. And that's um, we're talking about uh, the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, you know, and it reminded me what you were saying. Uh, I remember this one situation where I seen this brother at church and um, I remember uh, I was far away. I was at a distance and I remember, um, I don't remember what happened. If this person stubbed their toe or something happened. Right. And they said, Oh snap, but obviously a bad language, a bad word. Right. They say something bad. And they look around like this as if to see like, oh, did anybody hear me say that? Right. They kind of look around and like I, I heard and I seen, but like I didn't I didn't act like I didn't hear or see anything. And they kind of like were like, oh, like I'm safe. And they kept on walking. But it reminds me of that verse, you know, from the from the uh, what do you call it? From the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. Right. Mm -hmm. If we are not truly living our Christianity. Right. If we are putting on a cloak, as we say, when we come the Sabbath uh, on Sabbath, the church on Sabbath, and we become just like the Pharisees, right? If we are living, if we speak a certain way all the time, and then when we come to church, we try to speak differently. Mm. Those words are going to come out no matter what, because that's what's going into you or, or whatever the things you talk about or, or whatever you, 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 you can, you can uh, think of. Right. And I, that's one of the things that I, that I, that came to my mind, like the, the hypocrisy of, of the Pharisees, but even to today, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. By the way, I want to thank everybody that's joining us. Um, feel free at this moment. Uh, you guys got a question about this because uh, we want to start making some of these applications to us today, right? Even but, if you want to say um, happy birthday to Andrew, which several of you have. For sure. For sure. Yes, hey, and I just want to say thank you. I, I didn't have, I, I don't want to be over here uh, typing. I just want to say thank you to everybody who's wishing me happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, that's and uh, Cindy, I'm not 25 years old. I'm sorry, Cindy. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I was 25. She posted on, on my Facebook. She said, Andrew, are you 25? I'm like, I think she's being sarcastic because uh, I wish I was still 25. Wait, wait a minute. You're, you're not 25? I wish I was just kidding. I was just hey, kidding. if I'm 25, I'm doing something right, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> if I look 25. That's true. Absolutely. Um, so, so let me ask you, look, uh, let me rephrase the question a little bit because I, I, think, I think the question may be misleading when I was trying to say, can you be a Christian? Can you be Pharisee? and Christian. Can you be, let me put it to you guys this way. Can you be as strict as the Pharisee or take things to this extreme like the Pharisees did and be a Christian? Now, I, know, I know, Andrew, you wanted to uh, ask something about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted, I actually wanted to push back with my own question or with my oh. own thought right from the get-go. Mm. Right? I'm going to bring up some of, I'm going to bring up some of your own words uh, from our last conversation, Mitch. Because I think it was perf perfect, right? We were talking about the Sabbath, right? How to keep yeah. the Sabbath. Yeah. You said something interesting that I think, because you said, can you be a Pharisee and man maintain a, re a relationship with Jesus? Which is something I want to ask you, right? You said, you, we're talking about convictions, right? You said, you can keep your, uh, 
convictions as extreme as they are, as long as you don't push them on others. That's what you said, right, Mitch? Maybe. That's something to that notion. <laughs> so now my yeah. question is, Maybe. isn't there record, a right? point where your convictions, even if they're not pushed on someone else, can hinder your relationship with God? What do that's, you think? that's a fascinating question. First of all, let me answer this, okay? Uh, because in my opinion, um, when we look at the Pharisees in Scripture, we often are very misleading. And I say that because we only see the negative. But we do see Nicodemus go and say, hey, we know, he says, right? We know that no one that does all these works did not come from God, right? We know that you had to come from God. And then later on in the book of Acts, we find out that there were a number of Pharisees that believed. Mm -hmm. And then the greatest example that I can give you is Paul anyways, who Paul throughout his Christian ministry still followed very strictly the law. So, so Andrew, I'm going to answer your question in, in the context of Paul. If Paul could have what I would say an exemplary uh, relationship with Jesus and still and still be so strict to the law, wait, why can't we? See, I would say the following, right? Because um, your question is whether or not those convictions or the way that you practice certain things, um, can that lead you away from Jesus? I guess the question is, do we believe that that the Pharisees were doing this out of out of a um, out of this beautiful love for God, or do you think they were doing it for pride to be seen, etc.? Because I think that there was emptiness inside. Jesus says this, by the way, right? They look like uh, like polished tombstones, very beautiful from the outside, but they were empty on the inside. I would argue that if the inside is full and is beautiful, how far those convictions take you doesn't really matter. You could be as strict to the law and you could be as, as intense in keeping religion, the Sabbath, whatever it is. But the key is what is motivating you to do these things, right? What is pushing you to do these things? And as long as that is in the proper order, that's going to be my question. If it's in the proper order, the conviction will not hinder your relationship with Jesus. If it's in the order where you are doing this to uh, get earn God's favor, like the Pharisees were doing it, or to be seen by others, then everything is hindering your relationship with Jesus. So someone will say, I don't have to keep the law. Uh, oh, I don't have to keep the Sabbath. I would say, well, no, the law is there and the Sabbath is very clear. But what's pushing you to do it? If you're doing this to be seen by others, you're wrong. You're a Pharisee. If you're put, if you're doing this so that you could gain favor with God, you're wrong. That's not the point. But if your love for God says, Lord, I'm going to be as strict as possible on these 24 hours uh, uh, weekly, I don't see how that hinders. That's my answer. All right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to start pushing back a little bit no. and I'm glad, and I'm glad that you answered the way you, that, that you did. I think, I think you, you did a good job of, of, of dancing around. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. No, I, I, I agree with what you said. I think it, that's hundred percent true. And I think that, that you did a, a good job as at establishing that point. Right. And then that, that's uh, I would, what I would think is key. Now I want to look at a couple of things, right? Because this this word zeal keeps pop, popping back up, right? We see this sure. word zeal in the, the scriptures pop up a lot of times. And, and I got the word of uh, the definition for the word zeal. It says great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. 
right? Originally, I had uh, quoted the scripture that says, zeal for your household will consume me, right? This idea, this great passion, this enthusiasm for their house, which was their temple, was consuming Jesus, right? They had put an over uh, uh, exertion of their passion and, and their enthusiasm into the household instead of G into Jesus or God, right? And I want to quote uh, from the script, uh, scriptures where that you guys were talking about Paul earlier in Philippians 3, 4 through 7. Look what it says here. It says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. It says, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me these things i have counted loss for christ right so he's describing his previous nature and i think we have to make that distinction because it says concerning the law he was a pharisee concerning zeal right his passion his enthusiasm persecuting the church that means that his convictions got so strong in his heart that he thought he was following God and he thought he was doing the right thing, that he went so far as to persecute the church. Now, I, I want to restate that question, right? Can you be a Pharisee and maintain a relationship with Jesus? My question then becomes, right, if your convictions are, I need to persecute these people because these are my convictions, right? Just as Paul says, but he says he gave all those things up for Jesus, right? Then, then what do we do with these things, right? What do we do with these things now, right? Andrew, um, Andrew hold on, hold on, yes. hold on. But now, but now, but now, let me let me push back. I know Jason wanted to say something too, because I, I I know he was. It is getting heated. Yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. Where in Scripture? And I'm not even talking about the New Testament. I'm talking about the Old Testament back then. Where in Scripture does it say you need to go persecute other people? You see, here's the problem, right? But that, and that's why I'm oh, saying your on, convictions. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Those were not godly convictions whatsoever. Those were hey. not convictions that were supported in scripture at all. In your, fact, your question was, can you be a Pharisee and no, maintain no, no, a relationship? No, no, hold on, hold on. Was, but, yeah, he was yeah, a Pharisee. Yeah, but let me, no, but let me finish this. He was still a Pharisee. He didn't stop being a Pharisee. And I can tell you that because even at the end of his life, if you look at the end of, of Acts, he still did all the purification rites at the temple. He was still doing that even after he was preaching the gospel everywhere. That's not the issue. The issue here is that his conviction did not come from an, an acceptance of what the, the, the true word of God was trying to teach. You said this at the very beginning. Exactly. They had made these things meaningless. And Jesus exactly. said, look, uh, and, uh, and once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this here. Um, uh, let, me, let me pull it up real quick because I, I read that earlier. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, where he says, okay, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of men and an eastern coming and have neglected the weightier matters of law. They neglected justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, notice, without leaving the others undone. He's not telling them to stop doing those things. He's telling them, you just forgot to do the other ones. If Paul was thinking about justice and, dare I say, mercy, he would not have persecuted Christians. He would not have. His convictions wouldn't have led him there. And, and that's and that's the problem. I, what my argument that's, is that, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my, my argument is that the con, that the convictions of someone, if they are motivated by a true love for God, you can be zealous for the Lord all you want. There's no problem with that, but but it's got to come from the right place, from truth, 
from from God's love, etc. I know Jason wanted to say something, Andrew. Let, let me let me hear what he's got to say, and then we'll come. Well, back right, right, right now that we're talking about that, about about the about about the leaders, we got to look at the context of where they were coming from as well. We had the whole history of Israel was separating from God, idolatry, all of this. So when they finally have the chance to rebuild everything, they were like, no, they, like you said earlier, they went on the opposite spectrum of the pendulum. And they're like, no, we cannot. We, it wasn't even like, like because of for God, it was like, we cannot have all those disasters happen to us again. So I feel it was kind of more of a situation of um, they did like, like verse, like um, Matthew 23, 23 says, they, um, uh, that they, they started just focusing on, 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 on the tithe and all that. They forgot those things that matter, which are, which are um, justice, mercy, and faith. And that because they forgot about all of that, they were just focused specifically on their traditions. And they completely forgot what they were doing it for. And because they were so focused on their traditions and they didn't want to go back and fall back into idolatry, they wanted to just maintain the beliefs that they already had because they felt like those beliefs were the ones that were keeping them in line that were keeping them from falling back into idolatry from falling away from god and that's why paul even went out on those excursions of persecution because it's like hey we got to eradicate that because if we start believing that that's going to make us fall back into that so sure. th that's how i see when it comes to when, when it comes to that sure sure uh, and andrew, andrew, andrew andrew before you say this though let me just add one last thing here real real quick super quick you you remember uh um in spanish it's gamaliel what's his uh what's his name in english uh, yeah yeah i remember gamaliel whatever right I know. okay you know where i'm going with this because and i'm going to read it to you a pharisee named gamaliel says a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people this was a pharisee and one of the top ones and he goes in and you know his answer right this is a pharisee as well you see what i'm saying look it, the, the, the problem wasn't if they were strict with the law. The problem is in what spirit were they approaching this? Once again, the problem is in here, right? By the way, I love your question, man. I think it's an excellent question. So, no, so no. go for it. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think the way you phrase that question is, can you be a Pharisee and maintain a relationship with, with Jesus? Then all of a sudden becomes too general. If you put that underlying foundation, which you then bring in a whole nother component, then of course, right? But we're talking about, Obviously, the Pharisees and their mentality, the hypocrisy, the pride, all these things. That's what I think of when, when you state that question. Can you be a Pharisee and maintain those relationships with Jesus? And to that, I would say, I don't think you can. But when you add that other component, of course, and that's what I want to get to next, right? There's a there's actually a, a part where I, I, I talked to you guys about this before where um, I, I for some reason, I didn't look up the verse. And if someone knows it, someone can post it where... Um, Paul is actually talking about uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Yeah. How uh, 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 he, he tells the, the, the Gentiles, you know, to not be conceited just because they are elected now, right? But that the Jews could then be grafted in. But he says something interesting. He says, but they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, right? And mm -hmm. the key part to that is that it's not based on knowledge because it brings up to me, it changed to me another verse, which is found in Proverbs 9, 10, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy one is understanding. So this to me is saying they had zeal, passion, enthusiasm, but it was not based on knowledge and knowledge of who of the Holy one understanding of the Holy one who is God. So their zeal was not based on a correct understanding of who God was. Right. And this kind of distort distorted the foundation 
of of uh, of their I guess pharisaical uh, ideas, right? So passion not based on an understanding of God or Jesus, right? So the question is, can our understanding or misunderstanding uh, or our convention our convictions cause us to have a relationship with completely di- with a completely different God altogether? Say that, say that again. Say that again. Hold on, because you right. got you got uh, I lost the signal there. Oh, right? sorry. I, I got too excited. Time. It says, can our understanding or misunderstanding or convictions hinder or cause us to have a relationship with com- with a completely different God altogether, which I feel like some of these Pharisees yeah. had. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I would agree. I would agree that um, you can end up even portraying God in the wrong way, right? And, and, and worshiping a God that that is not what scripture describes. That being said, look, I know you guys are attached to the chat and Chris Lopez brings this up. He says, isn't that the whole point of sanctification? Mm -hmm. Sanctification is about reaching holiness. I mean, let's just say how it is. It's about reaching holiness. And what do we mean by holiness? In fact, the words are related, right? To, to, for something that is sanctified, something that is holy is something that is separated. And the idea is to become more and more um, as uh, who is it? I think it's uh, it's Philippians or Ephesians, whichever one uh, who says, uh, to be to reach the stature of Christ, right? And Christ was perfect. There's no issues there. I think the the challenge becomes um, the method by which we try to exactly. achieve sanctification is exactly. the problem. Exactly. And and that being said, I think I think this is totally my opinion here, but I believe that the Pharisees were trying to be sanctified, and in the process, they lost their way. Exactly. Jesus comes and says, uh, and I'm, I'm going to read this to you guys. By the way, the text you were looking for was Romans chapter 10, verses uh-huh. 1 and 2. Um, but uh, uh, I'm going to read this. This is uh, Matthew chapter 5. Um, and Jesus says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes, Andrew, the righteousness of the, of the scribes and Pharisees, if it exceeds it, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Jason, you made allusion to this. The idea that Jesus comes in and he says, look, by the way, you were told thou shall not kill. But if you look at your brother, okay, what is Jesus trying to say? If you look at your brother, right, and you call him whatever you call him, in here, you're committing murder. Well, what is Jesus saying? The problem isn't not killing. The problem is what's going on in here that causes you not to kill. That is, I think, where the problem is at. That's that's where I think, uh, it, you know, let's let's bring this to the year 2020 now. I think that this is where we have an issue in church, where a lot of times we do things saying, this will t- lead me to salvation or this will do that, instead of allowing the love of God to motivate us to do those things. Yeah. I, can I just end with this, la- this last comment? And I 100% agree with, uh, with Christopher and what you guys were saying, you know, and it's the method. That was the foundation, right? Uh, Great Controversy five ninety eight two says, "It is not enough to it, it is not enough to do what a man thinks is right or what the minister tells him is right. His soul salvation is at stake, and he should search the scriptures for himself. However strong may his, however strong may be his convictions, however confident he may be that the minister knows what is truth, this is not his foundation." Right. It's not just about how strong your convictions are. Yes, your convictions are important. But what is the foundation of that conviction? And I think that's 
or, or what is the foundation of that sanctification, right, it, it, that we're alluding to, right? So, you know, I think that um, there are things or convictions that can lead us astray, but that's, of course, if Jesus is not the foundation. Um, yeah, I, I, let, me, let me also read a quote from Ellen White that comes from uh, councils, on, councils on Stewardship. Uh, 195 because she speaks about the pharisees and she says that in the days of christ the pharisees were continually trying to earn the favor of heaven in order to secure notice that in order to secure the worldly honor and prosperity which they regarded as the reward of virtue now this was a theistic culture obviously so you know the more you were in the favor of heaven the holier you were seen and then it said, at the same time, they paraded their acts of charity before the people in order to attract their attention and gain a reputation for sanctity. And that last phrase is what I want to point to, because if we bring this home, we got maybe like about 10 minutes to go. So if you got a question, by the oh, way, man. you're watching us. Yeah, we got like about 10 minutes. Um, it, let us know right now. You got a comment you want to include in this. But, but here it is. It's not about having a reputation of holiness. Man, sometimes we are so concerned about making sure that people see us as holy, that we're willing to lie about it so that, so that people keep thinking we're holy, but in the process of lying, you've, you've, you've dirtied your life. You see what I'm saying? Like this was the problem with the Pharisees. In the process of them being holy and, and attaining heaven's favor, they killed Jesus. That's, that's insane, right? But this is what happens, and I think that can happen today. How many times do we see this at church among, among Christians, right? That they're all about doing what's right, 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 right. And they're completely forgetting that it's not about the reputation among others in doing right. It's about the reputation of, uh, of doing right that God sees. And unfortunately for many of us, God doesn't see what you do on the outside. God sees also what's going on on the inside. You can't hide away from God in that sense. You can't at all. And that's exactly what I was saying earlier. Like, it's not about what you do out on the street. It's about when you're behind closed doors. That's what God sees. That's what really, that's a, even in psychology, what you do when no one sees you, that's what defines your character. Well, that's also what defines your Christianity, your relationship with God. Because I could easily go and say, yeah, I read my Bible seven days a week. Um, I spend two hours studying. But that's because I'm telling you, you're trusting my word of mouth. But does it mean, does it really mean that I'm doing it? Hmm. And then on top of that, when I, if I am reading it, am I truly trying to grasp the knowledge that it's giving me? Am I truly trying to read it just to read it so I can say that I could read it or because I'm trying to get closer to God, trying mm -hmm. to learn more about his character. And th that's the thing where, where, a lot of, where a lot of Christians fail. And I think that leads us to, to asking like, can we be Pharisees, legit Pharisees now and day? And I... In, in the sense that they were doing it, obviously not. But once, once, once Jesus comes into your life, though, if we're talking about how strict they were with things, I think that that there, I don't think there is a problem with being strict. And allow me to say that there are many times within Christianity where, because you are strict with certain things, you're even made fun of with within the Christian culture. Like, like you know, like like you're ridiculed. That's crazy. Let me let me give a let me uh, put a principle to that. To that thought, you put a quote. Go for it, go for uh, it. Ellen White says, when we reach the standard that the Lord would have us reach, worldlings will regard Seventh-day Adventists as odd, singular, mm -hmm. straight-laced extremists. Mm -hmm. We are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Uh, uh, now that he says that, 
I've seen it before. There's a video. For those of you that haven't seen Family Guy, good. Don't watch it. But for those of you that have, there's actually a video that we're like, the, I forgot exactly how it goes out, how it plays out, but it says, oh, those crazy Seventh-day Adventists. And that was a that was years ago. That wasn't like yesterday. That was a couple of years ago. They, it's going to happen because yeah. it's something that everybody believes is out of the norm. Going to church on Sabbath, mainly like the number one off the top of my head, whenever my coworkers are that have gone, are like, oh, you go to church on Sabbath. That's weird. Why not on Sunday? Like everybody else. Right. So just for, just for that one, that, and that, not, that's not even implying all not eating pork, not like watching our diet, all of that stuff. Like even those things, people find it weird. Not just because everybody's on this hype train, oh, vegetarianism. But before you would tell somebody, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a vegan. What are you talking about? Right. It's little things like that that will make us weird. But I feel that we can be Pharisees and all of that now in modern days when it comes to hypocrisy. I feel like that's, that's, that's the main thing that will plague a Christian's life, hypocrisy. If, if, if you do not practice what you preach at all, you're a Pharisee, man. I'm sorry, but it, that's, that's the sad fact. You're being a Pharisee. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that uh, are there Pharisees today? I, I, just a quick answer. Uh, Andrew, are there Pharisees today? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jason, yeah. are there Pharisees today? Absolutely. I, I think there are. And I, and I think that we look, we came up with this with this topic um, because there's a challenge with religious extremism within Adventism, in my opinion, and for that matter, in many Christian denominations. But this is the one that I know. This is this is who we are. Right. We're Seventh-day Adventists. Um, and unfortunately, uh, uh, you, you always get. OK, so, you know, you have two sides of Adventism. You have a side that just is completely lacks with everything. It's almost like the Sadducees. <laughs> right and then you have another side that's like like the pharisees and you have contending issues and this goes back to the original point that andrew was making at the very beginning do it like jesus did it man you know what jesus said i'm neither here nor there i'm all about saving the lost souls of israel i'm all about reaching everyone by the way um the bible tells us okay this is this is curious jesus ate with uh tax collectors and and, and the worst people of the worst. He was criticized by the Pharisees for doing so, right? But we also know, on the other hand, that Jesus had meals with the Pharisees. And look, man, Jesus, Jesus is just so awesome. Over and over again, you see how balanced he is with things because his mission was doing right for God, not for anybody else. And I think that's the way we need to approach that, right? We need to make sure that we are trying to do things right for God. Who cares what anybody else says? Who cares what other people will, will, will make a comment of your life? Whatever. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter. Are you doing it right for God? And if you're doing it right for God, it's always going to end up in those three things, justice, mercy, and faith. Bro, let, let, me, let me put, I, you gave me a thought because you said the word balance. It's 100% true. I think that that's the biggest thing that we struggle with, even in Seventh-day Adventist church, right? It's this, this idea of being balanced, something that Jesus was. There's this quote that Ellen White said. Uh, I don't remember where it's found, but it says, uh, this is someone that constant that constitutes fanaticism is someone who is unsanctified, overzealous, and unbalanced. And I think that's like a perfect statement, right? And um, it, it brought to my mind some of uh, what you were talking about with Jesus, right? Jesus was the epitome of balance, right? If we think of uh, uh, what Scripture says, "Here is the patience of the saints; they are those who those who what keep the commandments of God 
and have the faith of Jesus, right? If we lean too far to one side, if it's all about faith in Jesus, we, we run the risk of going into that cheap grace. Oh, Jesus forgives me. It's all about love and only Jesus, right? But if we go to the other extreme and we go, oh, it's all about the commandments, then we fall into that Pharisaic. We fall into that, oh, we can go into these extremes. But if we have both, keep the commandments and have the faith of Jesus, that is the balance. And we see this throughout uh, the scripture, right? Jesus, who was full of grace and truth, right? Grace representing Jesus, truth representing his commandments, right? Uh, when he's speaking to uh, that, the woman uh, on the, uh, um, where she's talking about true worshipers, where Jesus is talking about true worshipers, we must worship in spirit and in truth, right? Again, these two, thi these two things that balance the commandments and Jesus, right? And I think that this is really important when we're thinking about this because Jesus is the balance, right? If we put him first, right? If we put Jesus first and, and the commandments, that is our balance. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the order is so important. Yeah, uh, Jason. I think, um, um, I don't know if you guys saw the sermon that, that, that Israel gave this morning, the one that I translated, but he noted something very, very important that, that I feel like that's going to really help us onto it, really like see, am, am I turning into a modern day Pharisee? Mm. And he used the parable of the, of the, of the unfor, unforgiving servant. Mm. And in the first part, there was three things that he said that you have to know of that parable. First part is that the king, in this, in this case, God gave mercy and grace to that servant as in myself that I just, I did, didn't deserve. Cause it, um, he was, he even added up the numbers. Um, the servant owed the, owed the, owed the king and what we could translate to this, to this day, $120 million. Mm -hmm. That like, it's, it's something that I just can't pay back. Right. And it's something that's unsensible. Like, like there, there's no way I deserve forgiveness for that much amount of money. Then he also noted that, because that was forgiven, someone still had to pay a price, right? And in this case, it was Jesus. And because, and then the third point was, when you see all of this, when you see that you were really not deserving of being that, giving that grace and mercy, mm -hmm. and somebody else had to pay the price, the only logical thing is to give, to reciprocate that to somebody else. And I feel that, that as a Christian, if I don't understand and if I don't see that God truly, Jesus' sacrifice was so immense that there's no way, there's no, no amount of lifetimes, there's no, no steps I could, I, could, I could walk across kneeling, there's no whips on my back, that, no many amount of whips that I could hit myself with that are ever going to be able to repay that. Mm. It's not until I truly understand that mercy and that grace that I'm going to be able to extend it to somebody else. And it's, it's up until that point that we're going to remember to always have justice, mercy, and faith. It's not up until I understand that mercy myself, because I could hear about Jesus's love all the time. And I could, I could pretend I practice love, but if I don't have mercy, how am I going to practice love? Because mercy is giving something to someone that they don't deserve. And if I don't know how to practice that, if I don't know how to forgive at all, how am I going to be better than a Pharisee? How am I ever going to get out of that Pharisaical point in my life? Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, um, I think that there was the example of Jesus uh, when they bring that woman that was caught in adultery. And, and you know who had the stones in their hands. Yeah. And and I, and, I, and maybe this is um, just kind of a, a good way to to end, right? Because I think I think what you just said, Jason, is is on point at least to to checking our Pharisee ex- extremism, right? Um, uh, but but that that day, these Pharisees were ready to stone. And and I'm I'm going to speak to the heart because look, I'm I'm a pastor. I work in this in this field, and 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 obviously there are times where I get frustrated you know, with, with our Christian brothers and, and specifically our Adventist brothers, because I think that we are just like Pharisees. Sometimes we're ready to throw stones at any moment that we can. And look, I, I'm going to say it online here. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't hide anything about this. Um, I, I, I am, I'm conservative, um, at least in the way I practice my faith. Um, I know that there is a great group of my colleagues as well as uh, others in the Adventist church that would probably criticize me for being conservative. And there's a great group that wouldn't, right? But I think that from either extreme, this idea of simply wanting to criticize and throw those stones, that's poisonous. That is poisonous. And we got to step away from that. And the only way that you step away from that is exactly what you just said, Jason, which is understand that God has died for me on the cross because it doesn't matter how many stones I throw, I'm still a sinner and I deserve the biggest stone to be thrown at me, mm-hmm. right? But God in his mercy did, did none of that. And so we sometimes get into these battles of liberals and conservatives of progressives and, and, uh, 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 you know, and those who, who don't want to keep pushing in that direction. And I would say the following, I would say, look, follow God first and foremost, follow Jesus, right? That's the number one thing, but do not participate in the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't do it, right? Get away from those things that mix in and allow God to, to, to change you truly to the spirit of Jesus. That's the only way that we're going to be able to stay balanced. Uh, guys, we got to wrap it up. Um, Andrew, any, any last words uh, real quick? Any, any last things you, you can think of right now? No, I, I think it's um, 100% on point what you guys are saying. And I, I just want to state to the fact that I think that we have all been hypocrites at mm. some point or another in our lives. And I, I think we have to start there at that point. I think it's impossible as a human to not have hypocritical moments. It's that idea of, of checking ourselves and examining ourselves to see if we're in the faith. It's that idea of, of, of remembering that grace that God has given to us and trying to continue, you know, to, to not walk in those same steps of hypocrisy. You know, I think uh, so, someone uh, put it uh, perfectly here. Um, uh, Isaura, it says, honestly, I have been guilty of expecting my family to live their Christian Christianity as myself. And it is a struggle as humans. I am learning to let the Holy Spirit do its work. Mm. Right. Sometimes we have these expectations of people, right. Who are not in the same place that we are. Right. And uh, we have this criticizing spirit or sometimes we could be uh, 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 live that hypocrisy. But just like he's just like she said, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in us and, and realize that, you know, we're all in different places that we're all covered by the mercy and grace of Jesus, just like you put it, and ultimately allow that to be our foundation. Absolutely. Jason, any last words? What would Jesus do? Uh, Honestly, uh, like, yeah. I, 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 I hate that I finished with that. Because I've said it repetitively, but it, it, it's it, that's really it. That's yeah. it, it just applies to everything. It's so 
it's so logical, so simple. You don't even have to try hard. Just ask, what would Jesus do? That, that's yeah. it. That's all you got to do. I feel like we should put that uh, in scripture at the at the end somewhere. <laughs> Revelation chapter twenty three. What would Jesus do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I would I would also say, it, it's not only what would Jesus do. I would always add, it's what will I allow Jesus to do in me, right? And, and I think that that's so important. Well, look, we got we got to wrap it up. You guys were real quiet today. Everybody who uh, um, who joined us today, everybody was super quiet. Hopefully it wasn't because the uh, the conversation was not something that you were interested in. Hopefully you guys were no, just right. thinking about it. We just uh, lost all our viewers. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know. I just, uh, you know, and and honestly, we we really do need your help in just kind of getting the word out that we're having these conversations. So you know, share this video with other people. Um, we we don't care about uh, people watching it live, like everybody watching it live, but we do want the word to get out. Uh, this was an interesting conversation. I think that that can help us all reflect in our in our Christian lives. Um, Again, we got to wrap it up. Uh, my church has another service in 20 minutes. Uh, this is just the way things go, right? Um, no, and uh, no. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep note of some. I think there are some topics coming in that that uh, some people want us to take a look at. So uh, we'll take a look at those and, and see. And we got a couple of drinks this week, and some of them are like my, one of uh, uh, an old my old dean. From the yeah. dorms, he used to say salsa. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Israel would say, fire. 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 Right, right. Um, but so we're gonna we're gonna keep a look uh, look at that. But anyways, uh, we want to thank everybody again for joining us. It, it, again, it means a lot to us. Uh, share this video with your friends and and whoever you think might be able to benefit from this. Uh, but let's wrap it up. Um, uh, Andrew, want to lead us in a final prayer? Yeah, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, thank you for once again leading us through this discussion, through this conversation. Allowing us to flow the ideas, but not only the ideas, but the words led by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I just want to ask at this time that you would allow um, us not to be uh, modern day Pharisees, but to uh, put you as the foundation of everything that we do, Lord, that everything may flow from you being in our hearts and in our minds, and that we may always keep your grace and your mercy and, and your beautiful story of uh, of crucifixion in the back of our minds that, that 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 you gave your life for us lord and that we are constantly receiving your grace and mercy on a con on a continual basis lord that um that this would be the, the underlying foundation of everything that we do we ask a special prayer for all of our listeners and all those who will watch this video in the future lord we just ask that uh, your holy spirit would continue to enlighten them and in some that in some way we were uh, uh, either uh, planting the seed or watering it, Lord. And we're just asking at this time that you would be the one to make it grow. We ask for your forgiveness, for your, we ask for your spirit now as we leave. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Andrew, thank you for that. Uh, once again, everyone, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for watching us live. Um, remember to connect with our Instagram page in case you have not. I know most of you have. Uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, and, uh, and Andrew, once again, happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday, man. Oh, you. You know, hey, and thank you to everyone who, who wished me happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it was great that you were able to spend your birthday with us because where else would you want to be? I mean, <laughs> Disneyland? Come on now. Um, anyways, the point is, uh, everyone, again, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to keep up with these conversations in the meanwhile. Uh, but we just want to remind you, again, this is our message over and over again. When things are going crazy, as they are right now, okay? Aside from washing your hands, because you got to keep doing that, wearing those masks. Keep calm and Advent on. It's the best message we can give you. 
We hope you have a blessed Sabbath and we'll see you soon.